Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18+. plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. This holiday season, Lexus wants you to remember. It's not just the thought that counts. It's your thought. Because no matter how much time you spend picking out the perfect gift, the only thing they'll really care about is that it's from you. Here's to experiences they'll continue to cherish. Season after season. Make this December one to remember. Together. Click the banner to discover more. Experience amazing at your Lexus dealer. Good day to all the Marbleheads out there on this, our newest episode of Rambling About Racing. Matt Beamer, Charlie Herc is here as always. Got a good episode here for you today. Amber Seigel is going to be here joining us today. Uh, really looking forward to this. Our first female driver that we've ever had here on the history of the show, man. I, I'm looking forward to it. I think it's going to be a great interview. Yeah, and, and she followed us on Twitter not too long ago, and I wanted to shoot her a message to see if she would be willing to come on the show earlier, but it just, life got in the way somehow. And now I finally got around to getting a hold of her and very nice person via Twitter. And I'm sure she's a very nice person during the interview. It's going to be, uh, it's going to be a lot of fun, man. Looking forward to it. Yeah. I think she's, uh, I think it's going to be a great interview, uh, just from, a uh, a driver to driver aspect. I, I think there's going to be a lot of a good topics to talk about. And, um, just being a, a a female up and coming driver in the sport, maybe talk about some of the diversity and stuff that she has to deal with. Yeah. And, and I think it's going to be nice too, with you being a driver that you can actually talk to her driver to driver, because discuss stuff that I would have no idea what is going on through the mind of a driver and all that. It's just so much going on. I'm sure that me as a normal everyday fan who just likes to talk about racing can't even think about you're not, you're not normal you're special okay thanks man <laughs> but uh how's life man how's life down there in south alabama it's good it's good scorching hot walk outside melt your face off right now but it's the same way down here yeah or up here in south uh, carolina other you're right. other than that going good so emma's starting first grade man Thursday. I, I remember so, when she was born man it wasn't that long ago oh well, it was six years ago so <laughs> oh wow yeah, I mean, it seemed like a lot longer. <laughs> Speaking of that, it's been almost six years since, uh, with Watkins Glen coming up this weekend, it's been six years since we went, went to the Glen together, which is a crazy to think about how those two dates correlate. Yeah, they, they line up almost identically, <laughs> almost as a matter perfectly. of fact. Anyway, we're, <laughs> we're not going down that road, man. We had a doctor's appointment. Emma to, does love racing, as a matter of fact. Hey, she she enjoys good. going to the track. That's good, man. That's good. Uh, had a doctor's appointment today for the pregnancy. Everything's going well. We heard the heartbeat again. And uh, 
Man, just so fast, ain't it? It's fast. It's, it's amazing how fast the little hearts beat at, yeah. at being that little. And I'm I'm super excited. We're gonna have a big announcement, I believe, probably on our hundredth episode about what the baby is. We don't know yet, but we're 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 gonna be super excited about that. Just so happy that that's happening. Everything's going fine. All the tests came back good as far as blood work. So, not to go do too deep in that, but that's all I could think about, man. I'm so over the moon about that. No, I don't blame you. I don't blame you. I, I was excited whenever, you know, we found out we were pregnant. Scared to death, yep. but excited at the same time. So I'm not scared as much as I am nervous. I just want to be an excited scared. Yeah, I'm just want to be a good dad and just want to be there for the baby. You know, just nervous, you know, want to be, you know, I don't know. I'll cross that bridge when I get there in February. Let's get there first of February. We're looking forward to it. But before we get into our talk with Amber... A little bit of controversy this past weekend regarding the Formula One race from Hungary. And it has to do with me, and this really made me mad. Well, the race was a complete, it was a good race. I really enjoyed it, although Hamilton finished second due to the fact that at the end of the race, and if you guys don't know anything about Formula One, they don't refuel the cars. If you you put the fuel in the car, you want to start the race to the finish of the race. So from lights out to checkered flag, the fuel you have in the car is the fuel you have for the entire race. Right. With that being said, should a driver run out of fuel like what happened to Sebastian Vettel on the cool-down lap, the FIA apparently gets a sample to test for the podium finishers, probably for everybody, but at least I know for the podium finishers of the race. And since they couldn't pull a sample, Sebastian Vettel got disqualified from that second place finish at the Hungarian Grand Prix, and that made me so mad, man. And this is why I'm a NASCAR fan, and this is why Formula One's just being so toxic to me in that sense, because either bring back fueling to prevent this from happening, and I know why they don't fuel, because it's a safety issue, but automotive racing is a safety issue, no matter how you look at it, in my opinion. Yeah. Or ensure that or take the sample before the race starts i agree um i think the commissions or if that's what you want to call it fia or whatever's call to disqualify his second place finish is complete crap uh he clearly finished the race second place ran out of fuel on the cool down lap you're going to disqualify because he can't provide either any sample or enough of a sample to meet your rules. So either that or your rule is flawed. There's got to be a a rule of of running out of fuel. Uh, I'm sorry. There's just, there's got to be a sub paragraph B or whatever to the fuel rule. (laughs) Yeah. And that made me so mad, man. And I really can't wrap my head around it. When I saw that on Twitter, I couldn't help it to not, say something to Formula One, not that they listen to a podcast from the United States, much less regarding it. Yeah, the Americans yeah. and their podcast. What do they know about the Formula One? Formula One is a specific... Formula Yeah, I mean, it, it, it's a fun, it was a fun race. However, just that ruined it for me at the end. They took what could have been a great finish from Ocon winning his first Grand Prix, Lewis Hamilton battling hard, and... Finishing third, and Sebastian Vettel, what a great Cinderella story for him and Aston Martin to finish second 
and it took that and it totally overshadowed everything that could have done. It could, it was almost as it wasn't as bad as the Brian France getting arrested overshadowing Chase Elliott's first win at Watkins Glen, but it was just one of those things where I feel like that soiled the waters and muddied the waters up to the point where, you know, I'm glad they're on a summer break because I don't want to deal with Formula One right now. But yeah, I, I don't know if there's an appeal rule in F1, but I'd be appealing the best out of that. Yeah, I would be. I would be too. It, it's just one of those frustrating things if I was Aston Martin that man, you took away valuable constructor points and valuable driver points. And I'm sure they knew know that they take a fuel sample, and if you ran out of fuel, and I'm sure they have a fuel gauge, and hindsight's always twenty twenty. I'm sure the race engineer probably would have said if he would have known, hey, stop the car, or we're going to run out of fuel, so we can ensure we have a sample. I don't know. I wasn't there in the pits, but... It was I fun. guess we'd have to have an actual rule book in front of us to find out. Either that or we need someone from Formula 1 to explain that to us. If Preston was here, he would be able to explain it to us, I'm sure. But, again, Preston's not here. He's got stuff going on. But That's about all i got to say about that. I don't want to really beat the dead horse. It's not a hill I'm willing to die on. But it's, it's definitely a hill that, because it's a Formula 1 hill, but it's a hill that I'm sure there are plenty of Sebastian Vettel fans, Aston Martin fans, Aston Martin as a company that are willing to die on because just hand it to Hamilton. Just give him all the points, man. I, I don't understand that. I don't like it, but that's neither here or there. I don't think there's really anything they could do to fix it. But I do have this. I do have this announcement to say we have a new website for the show. It's called ramblingaboutracing.com. You can find that on all of our social media platforms, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube. You can find the links to the website all there and it's a newer website different than in the marbles.net kind of the same but i feel like a better platform for us as a podcast to grow it still has everything there links to all of our partners the store everything is on there but it's rambling about com, and it gives you a platform if you want to come on to the show whether you're a driver or a fan of the sport and you just want to talk racing with me and charlie and preston Write down your information and come on to the show, man. In fact, next week we're going to have fan interactions during that show before our 100th episode coming up here in the next couple weeks. So next week is going to be a fan interaction show. We already got one lined up. Fan coming on. If you want to be a part of the show, head over to ramblingaboutracing.com and sign up. We'll let you know when and where that's going to be or how you can come and be a part of the show, probably via Zoom. That's about all I got to say about that. Charlie, anything else before we get into our interview with Amber? No. Uh, like you said, no point beating a dead horse about the Formula One stuff. It is what it is. Uh, I hate it for Vettel and those guys. Uh, I feel they got done seriously wrong, but my opinion doesn't matter in the eyes of Formula One. But, yeah, talking about next week's episode, yeah, yeah guys, you ever wanted to be a part of the podcast, here's your chance. We, we'll – uh We'll put out a link in social media, uh, all the platforms, telling you how you can be a part of it. Let us know, and uh, we'll get you on the show. Yes. Voice, voice your opinions, the good, the bad, the ugly. Uh, we'll hear it all, and we'll voice it back. So, Yeah, it's going to be a lot of fun. It's not going to be – we're going to try to make it as organized as possible because if we get multiple people wanting to come on the show, I'd love to facilitate everybody, but – We'll see, man. Um, but, again, if you want to be a part of the show, ramblingaboutracing.com. Links will be in the podcast notes as well as 
on our social media platforms. So now let's go ahead and get into our interview with Amber. So have you, did you grow up in racing, like, since the early age? So I started racing when I was seven, yeah, but I am okay. a first-generation racer. Um, no one in my family raced, didn't grow up racing. Uh, my dad was always into NASCAR and did, I guess you say he drag raced, but it was for fun. He just had a street car that he would take out. He had a Monte Carlo SS. So I think most of my weekends, like, growing up was spent while he was goofing off at the drag strip. And... It never really occurred to us, like, maybe we should try letting one of our kids race go-karts. And I tried cheerleading and basketball and dance. And my mom wanted me to be this girly girl that was like her cheerleader and a dancer. And that just wasn't me. She took me to these classes, and I sat on the floor the whole time. So she's like, well, this isn't going to work. And my dad had a friend that his daughter raced go-karts, quarter midgets, actually. And he said, well, why don't you try to put her in one? We'll take her testing and just let her see how she likes it. And my dad took me to the go-kart track, and they couldn't get me off the racetrack. I just kept making laps, and they're like, come on, you got to come in. And they couldn't get me off, and then my dad bought the quarter midget that night. So wow. I heard that. started there, and my mom was not very happy at first. But once she realized how much I loved it and how happy I was, they wanted me to do something I enjoyed. So... No, I, I understand that. I'm I'm 32, and my mom still gets nervous every time I go out on the track. So that that part's never going to change. So <laughs> no. it, it's never going to change. No, she actually even watches the races. To be honest, I think she paces like behind the stands more than she <laughs> watch. I, I could believe that absolutely. <laughs> it, it, it's funny because I, you know, I started. I think I started carts when I was four. So it, it's funny how different people, I guess transition into motorsports some being fans of it and just finding a passion for it through the love of the sport and hey i want to try it and now look at you now uh racing into arca series and you got to be loving it i mean what did you ever think starting out in quarter midgets that here i am running arca series Never. I don't even think if anyone was to ask me a year ago, if I thought I would be in an ARCA car at this point, I would probably laugh and say no. And that's just because I don't come from money. And we all know that it takes money to make it these days. And absolutely, that's just how the sport is, unfortunately. And you kind of just learn to live with that and do what you can with, with what you have and make the best of it. So yeah. I got this opportunity and it's crazy. I, I never thought I would get to make my ARCA debut and let alone qualify fourth and be second in practice. I mean, we, we made a mistake and I, I wrecked in the race and that was on me and I ruined it for my team, but I learned and uh, I hope we can run a couple more this year. I'm working on it. I'm working on sponsorship and that's actually what I was doing before talking to you guys, just sending emails like if I work all day and I come home and send emails and yeah. repeat the next day. So it's a dream come true. I enjoy it and I enjoy what I do every day and I hope I get the opportunity to run a couple more this year. Are, are you running the uh, West series or East series? 
Yeah, I'm just running the West Series for okay. now. And that's, uh, one of the owners that is partnered with us in our shop, uh, Steve McGowan, he lives out west, and that's kind of what they've always run with David Mayhew out there. And we've had Zane Smith in the car a couple times. So so for him, it's just more beneficial to keep things out west. And it just came to I see how hard you work, and you've worked on my cars for David and Zane for the past four years, and why don't we give you a shot? And I've had a lot of success in Bruce Cook's late models, and that's who his partner is. So they both kind of talked and said, you know, I want to give her a shot. She doesn't come from money. And I think this would be a really good opportunity for her. So really this wouldn't have been possible without those two. And I just can't thank them enough for believing in me and giving me that opportunity because not many people get that chance anymore. No, uh, absolutely not. Um, And that, that right there tells me all I think I need to know about you as, as a person that, you know, in general, the comments that you just made, you know, not coming from money, but willing to be at the shop, work your butt off and making the most of the opportunities that you do get instead of almost paying your way. Like mm-hmm. we see a lot of the, I might as well say kids cause I'm twice their age, but um, uh, like we do, I don't want to take sure. Some of them have talent, but to me, talent's just talent. You need the personality to go along with it. Um, and, and I think, I think you bring a lot of that to the sport, to the shop. And I think that's what they see in you more than anything. And and that's, you know, that's, that's going to carry you a lot further than money ever will. Yeah. Well, I appreciate that. And I, I sure hope so. I'm trying, I, I work my butt off every day. You know, I'm a crew chief in the East series and I, I grind every day and I work as hard as I possibly can, but that, that's what it takes to make it in this sport when, when you yeah. don't come from money. And I'm willing to work that hard because these opportunities, they just mean that much more to me. And it's more rewarding. And especially when I wreck the car, it, it hurts me more because I know what goes into it and I know how hard we all work. And we went back to the shop that next Monday and my job is I wrecked it, I fix it. So I tore the whole car apart and we had it all stripped. I write notes on everything, all the setup, how we went to the track. That's that's what I do. So for me, it's I know what goes in to getting these race cars ready to go to the track, which I don't think most kids realize anymore. It, it hurts me more when I wreck a race car on my team because we just we work too hard and it takes a lot to get to the racetrack. People people don't realize that. No, they they don't. They truly don't. They they fly in get the car, drive, and leave. So yeah. um, who, who are you working with on the East Series? I've been critiquing Parker Retzlaff on okay. the 42 car. We had Connor Jones at Iowa. and then, I've, I've heard of him. Yeah, we have him. He's going to drive for us at Bristol and I believe Phoenix as well. Okay. We kind of go through drivers. We're a driver development program. So yeah. we just get the young kids that come in and starting out in their ARCA debuts and stuff like that. So – this weekend, we have Tyler Ankrum, um, just getting him seat time because mm-hmm. we're alliance with GMS. Uh, we do a lot of work with them, and they help us out a ton. So we're going to give him some laps before the truck race. And Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? 
In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hopefully he can get a win so he goes to the playoffs in the trucks. So that's what they're looking for, seat time for him. But Were you... uh? Sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt. Were you in Pit- Were you in Pensacola earlier this year? I was for the Arcaris. Yes, I was there with Parker. Okay, all right. Yes. I have to make that. I'm about. I live about two hours. Well, an hour and a half from Pensacola from Five Flags there. So I'll have to. Uh, if the Arca race runs there next year, I'll definitely have to make that trip down there if you're going to be down there. So. No, of course. I'm not sure what the schedule is next year yet, but I'm sure we'll be there. If we uh. I don't even remember where we finished our race. That's bad to say that. <laughs> no, you're all right. I want to say we, we struggled at Pensacola with Parker. But, uh, yeah, he, he's a good kid. He's a good driver. He's done really well this year. I think we've got, like, three top fives together already. And we'll see. We're going to Milwaukee with him after Watkins Glen. So we'll see what he okay. can do there. Well, you, you definitely seem like you got it, got it all together. I mean, you do everything from <laughs> – from build it to drive it to fix it to you know everything. So Matt, uh, what what do you got? I don't want to carry on. I, I kind of got carried away there, so I was I was in the zone. So well, what do you got, Matt? Well, what I like about this is the <laughs> dynamic between two drivers talking about their craft, and that's why we <laughs> like you on the show, Charlie. Because if I was just talking to Amber, I wouldn't know where to start. I just come up with the generic questions, but I got to go all the way back to your quarter midget days, Amber. Yes. Coming, not coming from a, a oval track background. It sounded like more of a drag racing background. Who was your mentor in those early stages of your development in your career? So I did come from an oval track background. Quarter midgets are, uh, they're, they're oval tracks, just little go-karts with right. the big roll cages. Um, But uh, my mentor Honestly, it was probably Jeff Gordon. I never met him or anything, but I liked how he grew up and how he came from quarter midgets and late models and then up into the Cup Series and how he worked his way up. And he's someone I always looked up to, and that's why I ran the number 24 all the way until I moved down south and started driving for somebody. But um, I just I think he is one heck of a racer, and... I just appreciate, you know, what he's done for the sport and what he's brought to the sport. So I still hope to meet him one day just because of the influence he's had on my life. But, um, yeah, that's probably my mentor growing up. After quarter midges, how did you start kind of making connections and getting discovered as far as actual stock car racing? Yeah, I think it was just keeping the connections going and kind of watching how other people moved up from quarter midgets and, I was actually good friends with Eric Jones and his family. Uh, we started in quarter midgets together, and me and his sister are still really good friends to this day. And kind of watched him move up to the street stocks. He was always a year ahead of me. And then I moved up from quarter midgets into the four-cylinder class, and I won a championship. Oh, wow. And I can't even remember how many wins. There's so many to count, but had a lot of success in that division. And then we moved up into um, sports stocks, which, or I should say the sportsman class, which are late models. 
I started in that and I finished fourth in points, got a couple wins, and then we moved up into the Jag Serie All-Stars Tour, the Pro Late Models, and that's where money kind of took a turn for me. It just, uh, that's where it gets expensive and it gets hard to do. And my family just had to sit down with me and say, we, we unfortunately we can't do this anymore. So we sold everything and I made the decision that if, if I can't drive, I want to work in the industry because I'm so passionate about it that I still want to be involved one way or another. So I moved down here all by myself at 21 and I left my family. I got a job with Bruce Cook at Cook Racing Technologies and still got lucky enough to race. So it's been a journey so far, that's for sure. Right. And with that disappointment, how do you overcome that mentally still focus on your goal to drive, but having to, I hate to say settle, but having to say I have to put that on the back burner and keep my foot in the industry and do what I need to do. How do you do that mentally or how do you work through that? Yeah, it was hard to deal with that first because, I mean, I was probably only like 18 at the time. I guess like I guess it was just how I was raised. You know, my parents raised me to just be strong and to, to always keep working hard because you never know when you're going to get another opportunity. And if it's something you want bad enough to keep trying. So that's what I told myself I was going to do and told myself I was going to move and uh, worked hard and got hooked up with the right people down here that saw the talent in me and, and wanted to give me a shot. So it's been cool to still race late models down here when I can and then now make my ARCA debut. Yeah, yeah. And um, I do remember when you made that ARCA debut and unfortunately wrecked. I mean, that happens. Going from working on the cars, getting that shot, into doing that, it must have been the highest of highs to the lowest of lows right there. I like your tenacity and your way you push through it. You wreck it, you fix it. And in doing that, does that help you more you think as a driver to develop better, to learn the car, to fix it, to actually put hands on it and know you turn the bolts and you tighten everything down. Does that help you more as a driver or less as a driver? I definitely say more as a driver for sure. I think because I've been working on them for four years now that it's helped me learn everything about them, what goes into it, you know, especially like changes that can be made and what it's going to affect and how it's going to help me, where it could hurt me. Uh, things like that. And I, I think going into Irwindale that helped me kind of learn. It's something where I was there setting up the car. So I knew what we put into the car and I knew, you know, how the car was going to fire off at the start of practice. So I believe that it, it's helped me be more successful as a driver. And I think it's also helped my confidence as a driver, just because I know kind of what to expect and I know I, I give better feedback now and I think that helps me connect better with my team and work better with my team because we can start off right off the trailer being fast and I, I think that's takes a lot of success to do that so I say yeah it's definitely helped me and I, I'm still learning there's still a lot to learn I feel like you learn something new on these things every day yeah it's helped me a lot for sure yeah I think she summed it up pretty good there at the end talking about you know, no, knowing the ins and outs of it definitely helps with the feedback and helping make the changes that are needed either during practice or, you know, during the race and stuff like that. So it, it does help. Yeah, that's for sure. I think it, 
helped me for sure going into Irwindale. I did a lot of studying too, video wise, and just kind of wow. talking to the right people that have had a lot of success there. Cause really, I don't know when I'm going to get another one of those opportunities. Right. And I wanted to take everything in that I possibly could to make the best out of it as soon as I got there. I, I feel I did that. Firing off being P2 in practice and qualifying fourth, that's, I feel like I way overachieved my goals for sure. Yeah. My first time being in one of those cars. And really, I only ever had five laps ever in a ARCA car before going out to Irwindale. So I didn't know what to expect. I had only drove late models. And now I can say that they don't drive the same at all. Right. Um, a race car is a race car to me, but they you can't overdrive them. And I learned that for sure. And that that's what I did. And it ended up costing me a good finish in the race. So Irwindale is not the easiest of, of tracks either. Is it, no. it, it's, it's a, is it not a high line track? Like the groove is very high up on the track. Yeah. So there's three grooves there. It's a pretty racy track for sure, but up top is where it's fast. And, yeah. uh, it's just the place is quick and it will bite you quick too. And I learned that. But there, there's a bump there going into three. It's a very fine line because if you drive through that bump, it upsets the car so bad. And that's what I ended up doing. You got to do all your braking before that bump to get through it and just upset the car going in. And I got loose and backed it into the fence. So I owned up to it and I made a mistake and, I feel like, you know, as a driver, I should do that. I should own up to my mistakes, and it's just going to make me better. So I learned from it, and I'm hoping that I'll get another opportunity, hopefully in the next couple months, go try again. And hopefully I did learn from that mistake and will be even better next time out. Right. Yeah, absolutely. You don't get any better unless you learn from the mistakes. So That is true. Now, I got to ask you this. Is there more pressure being a driver or is there more pressure being a crew chief? I don't know. That's a good question. I think at certain times there's more pressure being a driver for sure. I think like qualifying for sure for me. That's a that's something where I've always put a lot of pressure on myself. And I don't know why, but it's just the spotlight's on you and it's all up to you at that time. So but I've never really gotten where I'm so nervous or I feel there's a lot of pressure on me when racing. I've, I've always been that more mellow, just I, I work on the cars at the track still too. I help my team and I do what I can to be there for them while driving the car. Cause I feel that's what I should do. So I've always just been that relaxed driver and I get in and I go drive. And then once I get out, I, I help them out and I tell them what I need. And that's just kind of how I've always been. All right. So from the outside looking in, again, never being a driver, it seems like as a driver, the spot, like you said, the spotlight's on you. However, if you're a crew chief, it seems like you got the weight of the whole team on your shoulders. I mean, to me. Yeah, I think what's helped for me, too, is I've worked with these guys for four years now. So right. we're all a big family, and our shop's small. There's only five of us in our shop. So obviously, when all of us travel as much as we do, we're a big family, and we're all with each other more than we are with our own families. So I think for me, and then when I go drive, it's the same guys. So we all goof around and stuff and they all pick on me just like they would anywhere else and with someone else driving. So I don't think that really changes anything. And that might just be because I'm close with them and I, I know who I'm working with. So right. that helps a lot. 
Folks, before we continue on with today's show, I wanted to remind everyone out there about our online store at Teespring. There you can find the latest and greatest rambling about racing gear such as t-shirts, hoodies, hats, mugs, pint glasses, you name it. We have it. And if we don't have it, let us know what you want and we'll make it up for you. Head over to ramblingaboutracing.com and on the top of the page, you'll see a tab that says store. That'll take you directly to our Teespring page. There you can find, again, all of our rambling race about racing gear as well as our throwback in the marbles gear. So head over there and all purchases will help out Rambling About Racing, bring you more content in the future, better content in the future. But just head over to teespring.com forward slash stores forward slash in the marbles or ramblingaboutracing.com. The stores tab is at the top. Click on it and it'll take you directly to Seaspring to check out all of our latest gear. Now, I got to ask this question. Because it is, you're first of all, just a disclaimer: you're our first female driver we've ever had on this show, so it's it's really <laughs> well, neat. That's it's, awesome. Yeah, it's that's really good. it's a really neat experience. So NASCAR and I, I dare say auto racing in general, it's not a really a, I guess for lack of better words, it's kind of a boys' club. Mm-hmm. And you know, you see some success in drivers with the Haley Deegans, maybe the Natalie Deckers, the Danica Patricks, Shauna Robinsons, just him, women throughout history. Does it make it more difficult to you, or from your point of view, as a as a woman trying to get into here that get a seat to be taken seriously? I really don't think so. I think uh, I think the only thing that might be a little difficult is maybe we're not treated with as much respect as male to male drivers. But uh, I really haven't had any issues since moving down south, racing with all the guys. I, I'm pretty respected and. They race me like I race them, and I feel that's fair. So, uh, no, I, I really don't think that that's affected me any. You know, I, I look up to the other females that have been in this sport too, and I think Haley Deegan has done a lot of good for the females in this industry, and NASCAR does need someone like her. So I think it's helped us out a lot, but, yeah, I, I don't really – Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. I don't think it affects me at all. I've just never really looked at it that way. Right. And and just being a big fan of the sport, once a woman does come in, it's like, who's she? You know, and I think they always <laughs> compare women, unfortunately, not to Haley Deegan, but to like Danica Patrick. Mm. Yes, yeah, and that is such uh, a for, and that's such a negative comparison in it, my opinion. It really, too, right? it really is, yeah. and it's it's unfortunate <laughs> because it's all. I hate to say that, but it's like they are, they're yeah. automatically putting women like okay, you gotta 
you know, like you said, prove yourself and stuff. But I think you take a blind NASCAR fan and don't tell them the gender or anything and put him out there and they watch the race and they don't well, see the driver. He's not going to be able to tell what the gender is. You know is. what I mean? Just go in there without telling them who they are. Just say, this is driver A, this is driver B, man and woman. And they race. And it's like, oh, the woman caught up with the man and passed him and won. That it seems like racing to me is not like football where a woman is at a major disadvantage from a, as far as physically, but racing is an equal playing field. There's definitely a stereotype for sure when it comes to females. And I feel like even now just making my ARCA debut that it's crazy how many people jumped all over it to kind of, who are you, where are you from and what have you raced? And they really watch to see how good you actually are. Cause I, I think NASCAR wants a new up and coming female for sure to be good in that industry. And people always say, Oh, you're going to be the next Danica Patrick. And my reply is even though she was good for the sport is I want to be better than Danica Patrick, right. but I'm Amber Slegel and I hope to be better than her. Okay. You, you so want to form your own. I've never really cared when people compare me to her, but yeah, you want to uh, form your own impact on the sport. You want to make your own. Yeah, and I don't want to see just one, like just one primary female in right. the three top series of NASCAR either. You know, there needs to be two or three because if not, it's just all eyes on that one. And, and you know, there needs to be if that if what I'm saying makes sense. So I'm, I guess I'm trying to figure out a better way to phrase that but you know that one it was just all eyes on Danica and boy did she let <laughs> let it go I mean yeah it, um, eyes on the girls that's for sure um I just am hoping that I can get my break one day and actually be able to race full time and something and show I think I, but. I, I think that everything will eventually come full circle and hopefully daddy's money and all the the little rich kids, hopefully that's going to phase out of the sport. Mm-hmm. And for the sport's sake, I hope that it phases out. It gets back to not – I'm not going to say the good old days because it's not going to ever go back to the good old days. And I'm not saying it should go back to the good old days. But that it gets back to the more humble drivers, the more drivers with great personalities that brings that excitement back to the races and yeah some of the some of the races have that excitement stuff like that but there's fewer and fewer drivers that have i guess that go get it attitude that determination but stay humble at the same time um so many times you hear well the car just wasn't this or the car wasn't just that or maybe you just ran out of talent. I'm sorry. You know, um, it, it, it's always somebody else's fault nowadays. And ever since we started this this interview with you, I, I've enjoyed everything that you said talking about, you know, I, I didn't come from money. You know, I, I work on these cars. It just sounds like you're very humble. You, you, you have a very great upbringing. And that's what the sport needs. It, it's not it, it's not anything that. Money, money doesn't need to buy a female into the sport. So, um, and that that's what's going to ruin it for the females is if money buys the female into the sport. I truly think that eventually it's going to come full circle where talent's what's going to get you back to the sport, not money. So, and hopefully you'll get that break that you need. I hope so. Thank you for the kind words. I mean, yeah, absolutely. Hopefully, I'm trying, and we just got to work hard every day. That's what it takes. So. We'll see, but I'm hoping to be able to run 
Vegas uh, in September and then possibly All-American Speedway in California too. So we'll see what happens and hopefully the sponsorship money comes through. But I'm working hard at it and trying to talk to as many people as I can. Is your eye or is your goal totally set on NASCAR or do you have any plans or objections to going open wheel racing? I've always just been involved in NASCAR, uh, to be honest, but really I feel I'm a racer and I'm open to drive anything. If if anyone offers me something, I'm going to try it. So I've only drove uh, oval track cars. I've never drove on dirt or anything like that. So, but it's never anything that I'm opposed to and I'll try anything. So if the door opens, I mean, (laughs) I'm going to take it. That's for sure. So, but no, stock cars is kind of where I've always been and that's where I grew up. So I'd say NASCAR for sure, but you never know what someone could offer you. And going back to you, not racing dirt or growing, having a dirt background, road course racing background. Do you feel like maybe that's a missed opportunity or you're kind of playing catch up here because a lot of people do come from dirt and have that road racing experience. Yeah. I, um, I've never even raced on a road course or anything. So wow. I think that might put me a step behind a little bit as I've only done oval stuff, but I feel like kind of when the talent's there and if, if you know, you can do it, it's going to carry over in anything else you drive. Right. Obviously everything is a new challenge. That doesn't mean you can't figure it out and, be good at that as well. I think I think I could go try anything and be successful at it if you put your mind to it and try hard enough. And, and a, lot of, a, a lot of that is knowing the car that you're into. So, yeah, sure. and, and I think she's probably got that figured <laughs> yeah, out for sure from, out. from the sounds of it. So, <laughs> yeah, that's definitely helped me. I will admit, it's <laughs> made me a way better driver in the past four years. So, yeah, it's, it's a crazy industry to be in, that's for sure. What do you mean by crazy? Like, is it just the money or is it the connections? The, what, what makes it so jumbled? This sport's just a different lifestyle. Honestly, to, I feel like to work in this industry and travel as much as you do, it's a job that you have to be passionate for. It's not a job for everybody. Right. We're away from our families a lot, and I'm on the road way more than I get to actually go home to see my family. So I haven't been home to Michigan where I'm from since Christmas. My mom keeps begging me to come home and visit. and They come and see me every once in a while, but I think that's hard. It's just you don't really get to choose, oh, I'm going to take a family vacation this weekend because, no, we're racing. Right. We're just we're on the road a lot, and I think that's really the only crazy part. And the long hours, it's just it's long days when – you wreck stuff or it's just a hustle to try to get things done. Or when you got races that are back to back to back, it gets crazy. We started out the year truck racing and ARCA racing East and West. There's only five of us in our shop. So it got, it was a lot at the time. It was, I don't think we had a week off for 16 weekends in a row. And that's just, it takes a lot. It's uh, yeah. it's again, it's a job that you just have to be passionate for because it's not um, Monday through Friday job, 8 to 5 or 7 to 4, whichever you want to work. It's whenever your job's done, you, you can go home. So you can work till midnight, and then you're back up at 7 the next morning. There's there's no vacation, and there's not as much off time. So That, that is crazy. I think that's one of the reasons why I said, no, this isn't for me, because Charlie <laughs> and I went to NTI up there in Mooresville, 
And a few of our friends made it to NASCAR, but then I met my wife and priorities quickly changed for me. So it's like, and it's like, you know, you sacrifice so much and it's not only that, it's your personal life. Like you said, the the vacations, the doing things just to go for this goal with with all that, would that be the biggest hurdle? I guess just the time that puts in, because once you lose time, you can't get it back. So you devote so much time to this craft, to this art, whether it be driving, crew chiefing, setting up, you name it. You, you're jack of all trades, it sounds like. Is that the toughest hurdle to overcome, just keeping your mental attitude good through all that? I don't think of it as a bad thing by any right. means. I, I still enjoy what I'm doing, and I've gotten opportunities that I would have never gotten if I didn't take this offer or do this job or work these crazy hours that I have. So for me, yes, I've missed out on a lot of family things and family gatherings, but it's just these opportunities I've gotten, it just means that much more to me, honestly, with all the work that I've put in. So I look at it as I wouldn't be where I'm at or gotten these opportunities if I didn't do it or didn't sacrifice this stuff to work these long hours and be gone and miss family time. So I think one day I'll be able to do all that again and hopefully still be able to say this was all worth it. Before you, we started this interview, you were talking about sponsorship and stuff. Can you tell us a little bit about that or what process you go through to sell yourself as a driver to sponsors? Yeah, so I have like a sponsorship proposal that I send out in emails and everything and I type up an email about who I am and where I come from and I try to just make a connection with people that that I'm trying to sell myself to and explain who I am and what I can bring to their company and kind of the side of NASCAR and what they can get out of it. So it's hard because I think uh, it's just hard to find sponsorships in this industry right now. And like we've talked about, it's a lot of kids and not only kids, drivers too, adults that they just come from money and that's, they haven't really had to go out and find the sponsorship and, I also think this pandemic that we've gone through has hurt sponsorship a lot for this industry. So it's been hard, but it's not anything I want to give up at. And I still want to drive. And I know I have what it takes to make it to that next level. So let's say you get the sponsorship, you make it to the, and you, you start going full-time market series or you run in more races and you're trying to get to the next level, which let's say, you, you you want to run truck series in your eyes, you know, as full-time ARCA series driver, what would be more important to you? Would it be the wins or just the consistent in, in just speaking, just in the ARCA series, would it be winning in the ARCA series or just consistently finishing? I think being a female, um, it kind of goes back to that side of it being a female I think it takes wins to get noticed as a female, for sure, Okay. Um, and try to move up to the next level. Not only wins, I think running good, being up front, showing that you're competitive, showing you're aggressive, and that you belong. I think that's a big thing for females is just proving that you belong and that you can do it. You're not just going to ride around in the back just to finish. And that's kind of the mindset I had going into Irwindale, and it did hurt me, so it's hard. I just think, I think it takes wins being a female to show that you can do it and Get your name out there and show you belong because, I mean, anyone can drive race cars, but it takes a good race car driver to go win. Definitely winning, but if not winning, at least being right there within 
pouncing distance, yeah, so to speak. I, I so, definitely think running up front. I mean, I, okay. it might get you somewhere, but I think definitely the better finishes and the wins, it, it's going to stand out more to the media. And social media uh, is huge in this industry right now. So yeah, yeah. Can't, I think, can't um, deny that. Just the more you win and the more people talk about it and more people okay. post about it, it's going to go way farther than just riding around and people not really knowing who you are. All right. Matt, anything to add to that? I don't think there's a driver out there who goes to the track saying, I want to finish second. I want to, yeah. you know, I don't think, I don't, you know, I'm, I don't know. Based off my year a couple of years ago, <laughs> you would have been happy to. I'm just happy to finish. That's all I wanted to do. But, you know, I, I, I like that answer, Amber, because it shows me that, and again, I have no pool in this sport whatsoever. I wish I did one day, maybe. <laughs> But it shows me that it's like, okay, she doesn't want to finish. Just She doesn't want to show up to play just for the sake of playing. Amber wants to win. She wants to be competitive. And in doing that, she's done this and this and this. And I think that's a great selling point to a sponsor, which kind of was my next question. And I think you pretty much answered it there, was if a potential sponsor was listening to the show, how would you phrase that in your own words? Yeah, I mean, I just, uh, I feel like it's, it's hard to think about stuff like that. And that's that's been my biggest struggle. It's just my selling point because I don't get to race as much. But I think the main thing for me and my selling point is just kind of, I know I can run up front. And I did that at Irwindale. Unfortunately, I made a mistake. And, right. But I also proved that I can run up front and we're fast and we can compete for wins. And, and that's, that's what I need to show. I think... Uh, if I was just there riding around 12th in practice and I don't think it would go as farther as saying, Hey, I was P2 in practice and I'm a contender to go win in the ARCA series and think I can promote your series, your company for sure. in the ARCA series and go get a win together, if not more. So I don't know. It just takes seat time. And, and that's the biggest thing for me right now. I just keep racing. So what, what do you do now for seat time? Nothing. Nothing. <laughs> I, uh, I just, I don't have the money to do it. We race late models when we can, but there's also been that tire shortage going around. So that's even affected my class at the local track level where we have, we have no more tires. I I got two races on the set that I have now, and I still have five races left for the season. I might have to make these things last. Yeah. That's kind of where we're at. All these tracks are canceling and it's hard because the late model is what keeps me going. And, I can't even race that right now. So there's no fixing that until Hoosier figures something out. So bad boys are about to get soaked. Is what's about to happen. Well, yeah, we we're gonna try again in a couple weeks. We go to Watkins Glen this weekend. Oh, nice. I don't know. They've already canceled the cars to a race for their next one. So that's crazy. Canceling them, then they're not gonna have any tires for short tracks either. So I had no idea there was a tire shortage. Oh yeah. Well, that's it's bad. Sounds yeah, it's bad. They. They're just, I guess they can't find people to work really. And well, they just aren't producing enough tires as these tracks need. So it's forcing them all to cancel and that's hurting all of us. But I'm and, hoping that they'll get it figured out soon and we'll get back racing and go from there. And, and kind of here's my question to that is why don't they, just, why don't you guys just race good years? They're based of Hoosier. So like for Hoosier, they have contracts through NASCAR and ARCA and, all the bigger series is so for them it's 
I need to get these tires produced fast enough for the people I have contracts with. So all these local tracks that they just buy the tires, they don't have contracts. They're down at the bottom of the totem pole. So it's kind of whatever's left at the end of the week or however they do it. And it goes to that track. That's what you get. And unfortunately they're not getting any right now. Man, and that, I mean, that's got to be such a big blow to morale. Mm-hmm. It's like, I can't yeah, win it, it at is. winning. I can't win at anything. Yeah. From- it's tough. It's tough because LA model, it, that's what keeps me going. And um, I mean, I really only race about four times a year just with how much we're working. And mm-hmm. that's kind of where I'm at in life, too. If money comes through and I, I get a sponsorship that, you know, wants to be a part of NASCAR and help them. I get to race more, but with where I'm at, I have to make a living too. So I work. And then when we have the weekends off, that's when we go race with me. So it makes it a little difficult, but I make it work. And I feel we've still been successful with the very little seat time I have, which makes me wish I had that much more seat time and how much more could I do? So does stuff like maybe iRacing help? I do have iRacing. I, I'm probably one of the very few drivers that I think it doesn't help me. Doesn't that help. might sound crazy. I I went on there to try to practice Irwindale before, and it's just not like the real feel to me. Right. So I struggled at it, and I was spinning out on this and that, and I get frustrated. And once I get frustrated, I have to tell myself, like, I can't do this anymore because I'm going to go into that Irwindale weekend thinking about iRacing. <laughs> so... <laughs> I get on there for fun. I mean, right. Like I just, I don't feel I can use it to get better. Like some people maybe can. I think the only way you could do that and get better is if you have a legit simulator that actually moves with you, you can, you can feel the car move through your butt like you would an actual car. Right. Yeah, because yeah. you're just sitting there, it's like, I don't know. Absolutely not. I, I, not adjusting the car like it's going to spin out until you actually yeah. see the TV screen turning is it's a little different. Yeah, it's different. And I think, like, you can't really put the actual setup that's going into your car when you're going there, so... I use it maybe to kind of see what the track's like or run the lines or move around a little bit, but... I'm not one that I just, I'm not really a video game person either. I, I work, come home, send sponsorship emails and do it all again the next day. That's just kind of my lifestyle. So. And you're currently working at the shop right now, correct? Yeah. Yeah. I work full time at the shop. So we're getting the Watkins Glen car ready right now and load up tomorrow for that. And it's uh, I, I wrap all the race cars too. So that's been keeping me busy right now. Okay. How'd you get into that? Um, that's something I just picked up by myself, actually. I In Michigan, I did all my own decals, and if anyone touched them, I would get so mad because I'm a perfectionist. Like, okay. have to have everything in a certain order. Started out just doing that, just numbers and contingencies and on my late model. Came down here, and no one likes doing decals, really. It's, uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's like, it's something that I guess it takes a special person because everyone hates doing it. So. It takes somebody with a lot say, of patience. That's for sure. <laughs> I uh, jumped to it when I first started. I said, I'll do them. And my boss was kind of like, well, this is good. I got someone that wants to do decals now. And then it turned into full wraps. And I did my first full wrap, obviously, moving down here. And now I do all of our wraps, and I go help at GMS on their truck stuff when they need me. So I enjoy that a lot, and I think that's one thing that I've gotten really good at down here. And 
I think eventually I'll probably take the route in racing of doing wraps because I just love, love it so much. And it's cool to see like what you wrapped out on the racetrack. Right. And, and I got to ask, when did, and you probably know this because I don't, when did teams go from wrap, uh, from painting the cars actually to wrapping and why? Honestly, I wish I could answer that for you. I don't know. <laughs> I, don't. I just, uh, I know they used to paint them. And, I'd have to say the early 2000s. Yeah, I guess maybe um, wrapping in a way is easier. I, I don't know. It takes but, a lot of time. but Yeah, it seems like if you mess up the wrap, it's, you got to redo it all over again. Yeah, luckily I have not had that happen wow. yet. And knock on wood, it doesn't because right. <laughs> it's not fun. So, uh, yeah, I did that. And I think that's probably like my secret little trademark about myself is I do oh. all that stuff and I really enjoy it. So, like my own car going to Irwindale, I wrap that all, all by myself. Wow. And nobody helps so, you. No, they help me hang aside, but. They all hate helping me because I get so mad because they all suck at it so bad and I get frustrated. <laughs> so how, how long? And it's like it's not even worth you guys helping. So they uh, help me hang the big sides, right? And they just leave me be because it's time consuming. So how long does it take to wrap a car? When it's just me, it takes me about a day and a half of work. So. Probably 12 hours total. smokes. Hours. Yeah. Now, if I have help, like another person, like when I go to GMS and hop on their trucks, there's two or three of us. We have a truck done in like four hours. Wow. So when you get more people, it goes way faster. But with just me, it's it's a good 12 hours. So what, what do you do at GMS? I know you crew chief for the ARCA E-Series. What do, you, do you just wrap at GMS? Yeah, I don't really work there full time or anything. They'll just call me when they need help with wraps or... They're getting so busy. I have so many wraps going on and need help. And I kind of just go there on the side to help them out and okay. do all their wraps. Mostly I've done the 24 truck and their ARCA stuff. Again, a good way to keep yourself in the door, at least keep your name out there, keep doing, keeping your name out there and staying in the industry. Now, I got to ask you, this is this is normally what I say towards the end of the interview, not toward, not that saying that I'm, we're towards the end of the interview, but <laughs> if, if you weren't, at all doing anything racing, what would you be doing in life? What would you want to be doing in life? Yeah, I growing up, I always told myself I was going to become a veterinarian. I'm okay. a huge animal lover, as you heard my dog squeaking right. her toy running around. I actually, when I was still in high school, I wanted to go to Michigan State for veterinary school. Then the only thing that really changed that was when I started working on my own race cars more and then I was like, you know, I kind of actually really like this. And I came down to visit North Carolina for the first time my senior year. And it was like, I belong down here. So then that kind of changed my whole thing. But if I wasn't in racing, I think I'd either be like a vet tech or try to become a veterinarian. And I just uh, want to help animals and I have a big heart for them. Okay. Maybe, oh, maybe SPCA will sponsor you. <laughs> Yeah, I, I've been trying to get something going with any animal products or pet stores or pet daycares, just, okay. just anything like that. I, I've always wanted to give back to like an animal community and try to include my passion for animals with my passion for racing. So I'm trying. I'm trying to work on a couple of things with that and hopefully get some things going. But we'll find out. We shall. <laughs> I guess my biggest thing to that is you definitely got to sell yourself when it comes to the 
I don't want to say when it comes to the sponsorship side of stuff, because I, obviously with, with me, I, my jobs have, my prior jobs have sponsored me, but, and that's just at the local track level. Of course, that's not on some big national series level, but with my job that I work now in recruiting, I got to sell myself. I, I, you know, I'm not selling the product. I'm necessarily selling myself. So I guess that would be my biggest advice to you is, yeah, you're selling what you do, but you got to sell yourself in doing it. If that makes sense. For sure. Yeah. That's what I'm for sure working at. So the, the sponsorship side, I think is definitely been a struggle side for me. I'm more of a shy kind of quiet kept girl, but I've been trying to talk to more people and I've had a lot of interviews, which I think is helping me. It's growing my social media and um, we've had some, some connections with sponsorships. So now it's just trying to go that step farther and show who I am and what I can do for their company and what I feel I can bring to their company. So I I was the same way, the shy kind of, Hey, I don't want to, you know, don't talk to me. If Mm -hmm. I don't talk to you person, come work with me for about four months. Yeah. You'll be good to go (laughs) because now I can pretty well talk to anybody. (laughs) Yeah, The guys I work with, they've helped me a lot with that. I, I came down here being this like shy, quiet girl. And my mom always tells my boss, like, what did you do to her? (laughs) Because when you work with an industry of all guys that you have to toughen up quick, like they have made me so hard headed and that's just how you have to be in this industry. So I think it's helped me and it's helped me come a long way for sure. But yeah, it's, it's hard working with all guys. I'm sure it is. (laughs) We, uh, we got an extra car that I'm working on putting the engine back together for. Uh, it'll be a fresh engine. So you, can, if you get a free weekend with one of our five races left at South Alabama Speedway here in Alabama, come on down and we'll put you in it in a heartbeat. So, hey, it's not an ARCA car by no means, but we'll put you in it. Hey, I'll drive anything. I don't. I'm not opposed to whatever it is. I. I don't ever feel like, oh, because I'm an ARCA, that's all I can race. No, uh, good deal. So, yeah, we'll we'll put you in it. That that car actually holds the track record in that class right now. So, so it's quick. I'll go drive it for you for sure. Consider yourself lucky, Amber. Charlie's never invited me to drive (laughs) at at all. Not once. The one time you come and spot for me, I only ran two laps before I had to park it. It's true. Hey, I think spotting is the hardest job in this industry. I can't even do it. If anyone asks me, I say no. <laughs> now, what, what's I know up? I'm a driver, but I, as crazy as it sounds, I can think fast on the racetrack, but not when it comes to spotting. Like, I just can't. So, so in your opinion, what makes a good spotter, Amber? So, I think my, my boss spots for me, actually. Okay. I think he does a really good job only because he gives, like, strong criticism and – I like that. So like if he sees that there's something that I need to do different or be better, he's going to tell me and he doesn't sugarcoat things, which personally, a lot of people don't like, they take that personal, but I like it because I think it helps me and I want you to tell me how it is with him. He, uh, he doesn't talk like super much. I, I'm not a big fan of the talking nonstop the whole lap. I just like to know when someone's there or, where I need to be better. So I feel like he does a really good job with that. 
And I think a big thing is having a spotter that helps keep you calm in the race car too. So calm voice doesn't get worked up when someone's wrecking or anything like that. I think that helps me a lot too. That's good to know. Not that I'm ever going to really spot again, but you never know. (laughs) (laughs) Who knows? (laughs) Yeah, I might let you spot again, Matt. Oh, thank you. (laughs) You got anything else, Charlie? Uh, No, I'm, I'm good. I think I've pretty well asked anything I can think of. So I've enjoyed this episode. This has probably been the best episode I've been a part of so far. And you've only been a part of four. <laughs> I, 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 it's yeah, been I thought good about myself for a second, but now that he's only been a part of four. Oh, no, no you're doing I mean, great. Four, like four as a as a co-host. You know, I brought Matt on as a co-host a while back. You just used to be. No, I'm just kidding. No, I'm this is my crap. this is my show. <laughs> no, well, I I think Amber, you, you have a lot of potential. I think it's gonna. We'll have to wait and see what's going to happen. I hope for nothing but the best of you for you. I think, you know, I think I speak for everybody, including Charlie. I'd love to see you in a cup light car down there racing against Charlie. That class is no joke. Those guys mm-hmm. are down there racing. That'd be a lot of fun if we could make that happen. Great. We'll do everything we can from our hand in to help you, promote you, get sponsors looking at you, because I think that's a big thing. Nobody really, I mean, I really didn't know about you until I saw you your name come up on the Arca series site and I decided to follow you. And again, thanks for following us back. Yeah, no problem. I I think that's definitely what it takes is social media nowadays. Thank you guys for following me and helping me out. I appreciate it. And thanks for taking the time to do this. Best of luck. I know it's a kick in the gut. You'd hate to quit and then be so close to finishing. Mm -hmm. Uh, I don't, don't, but I don't see quit in you. <laughs> no, there, there's definitely not. I got a lot of drives, so we'll see what we can do the rest of the year, and hopefully, you guys will see an announcement soon. Oh, that'd be great. Are you trying to tell us something? <laughs> no, I'm trying to work something out. No, I, I know you are. I know you are. In the, uh, I was thinking you were hiding something, holding something you, back. You from heard us. it from Amber first. You'll hear it at racing, uh, rambling about racing first. If something happens that, with Amber, no, I'm just kidding. You'll hear from. That's right. <laughs> Well, well, again, thank you. I'm sure you guys will see me in an ARCA car again this year. Hopefully, we're, we're still putting the pieces together. But if it, if it all works out like it has this year for me, then then you'll, you'll see me. Depending in. on how far away it is, we'll come do the show there. A lot of the logistics go into taking the show everywhere. I, I tell you yeah. that first. But thank you so much for taking the time to do this. I know you're busy on a Tuesday, and you got a lot of stuff you'd rather be doing. But thank you again for taking the time to. Join us for about an hour to talk about you and your career in racing, and we'd love to have you back on the show sometime. Yeah, no problem. Thank you guys for having me, and I'd love to come on again. All right, thank you. Yep. Absolutely. Enjoyed it, Amber. Thanks for having me at all. Have a good night. You too. You too. Before we wrap up today's show, I wanted to remind everyone out there about our partnership with Fanatics. Fanatics is a proud partner of the Unhinged Sports Network, which we here at Rambling About Racing are a proud affiliate of. So if you head over to ramblingaboutracing.com under our Sponsors tab, there at the bottom you'll see a link to Fanatics. It will take you right to the NASCAR page where you can get all your latest and greatest driver gear, such as T-shirts, hoodies, diecasts, and much more. But it doesn't just stop; have to stop there. If you like Alabama Crimson Tide football, buy Alabama Crimson Tide football from there. If you like Washington Capitals, Washington Capitals has all their stores there as well. So head over to ramblingaboutracing.com under the sponsor tab 
Link is there at the bottom for Fanatics. All purchases will help out the Unhinged Sports Network, bring you better content and more content for the future. Go check them out. White flag, white flag, white flag. One lap to go, one lap right here. Final thoughts here, and uh, special thanks again to Amber for being on the show. Pre- or Charlie, I almost called you Preston. How do you, what do you think of uh, Amber? I thought it was a phenomenal interview to begin with, but as a person, I think she's a very well-rounded individual um, in the motorsports, in the world of motorsports itself. I think she's got a very good head on her shoulders. She's purpose-driven, very, very humble from from the sounds of a very good upbringing. What the world of motorsports in general, I think, needs. They need that kind of personality. Yeah, and I feel like I agree with you. She has a good head on her shoulders. She really's driven. She really wants this, and is, but unfortunately, she's competing with a lot of other drivers out there. Who some of whom we've talked to on the show, like Jesse Aruji, Chris Hacker, and it, it's it's tough. It's tough to do it without money. And one thing I thought about during the interview and afterwards, more so afterwards, I feel is that. Unless it's like IndyCar, unless you have to name like Unser or Foyt or Andrade, it's going to be tough to get a foot in the door, regardless of who you are. For NASCAR, I, it's going to be tough to get your foot in the door. We see it now with the next generation up and coming with, without the last name Harvick, Bush, Gordon, Earnhardt. It's going to be tough for everybody to break in through that door, but... She mentioned Eric Jones. Eric Jones, she used to race against and knows Eric Jones. And I feel like that's maybe, that's her way in there. It's like, keep up with Eric Jones. And she's still good friends with her sister, with his sister. Keep up with him and try to pick his brain as much as you can. And it's it's got to be so tough to do that. I can't imagine going through that and just hoping. And uh, we're going to help her out in any way that we can by sharing tweets and recommending her or everybody that I could think of as far as sponsorship. But thanks again, Amber, for being on the show. It was um, really great talking to you, really great getting to know you, and uh, hopefully we'll have you on in the future announcing your start at the Daytona 500 or something like that. One day. I feel like it's going to happen. But now our driver of the week this week in NASCAR, no fantasy this week. However, next week, that's when we're going to get started. In fact, I'm going to go ahead and tell you guys the layout for the schedule for this weekend in NASCAR. NASCAR is finally coming back after the Olympics. Can't wait. Going to be a lot of fun. Sunday, August 8th at 3 p.m. Eastern Standard Time on NBCSN. That's when the Watkins Glen race is going to be for the Cup Series. Saturday, August 7th at 4 p.m. Eastern Standard Time on NBC. That's going to be your Xfinity race from Watkins Glen. And as well as Saturday at 12.30 Eastern Standard Time on FS1. That's going to be your truck series race from the Watkins Glen International Raceway. Formula One is on their summer break, so no Formula One racing, like I said at the top of the show. Kind of glad. Don't want to deal with Formula One right now. I, I think it's ridiculous of what they do and what they've done, and can't wait for them to just kind of get their head out of their butts and do whatever. But that's neither here or there. We talked about that at the start of the show. Driver of the week this week in NASCAR, going to leave it up to you, Charlie. Do you want to go first or do you want me to? Yeah, um, I'll go ahead and go. Uh, right. So driver driver of the week is DK Ulrich. 
born April 10th, 1944, is a former driver owner in the NASCAR Winston Cup Series. As a driver, he had 16 top 10 finishes and 273 starts. So not, not the best of stats, but his last race came in 1992. He was born in Woodbury, New Jersey. He ran 273 races over 19 years. His best finish in the Cup Series was 12th in 1979. First race was 1971 Maryville 200 in Maryville. And last race was 1992 Budweiser 500 in Dover. He had zero wins, 16 top 10s, and zero poles. Grand National East Series career was... 14 races over two years with the best finish of 20th. First race was the 1972 Mr. D's 200 at Nashville. And the last race was the 1973 Cumberland 200 at Fayetteville. He had zero wins, one top 10, and zero poles. As a car owner, he fielded cars for many years for young drivers such as Mark Martin, Sterling Martin, Rick Mast, Greg Stacks, Davey Jones, Greg Sachs, I'm sorry, Parnelli Jones the third, Morgan Shepard, Tim Richmond, Ernie Irvin, and Richard Petty. After his number 43 crashed in practice and his team backup car was not allowed by NASCAR, the Petty team bought Yorick's number six Chevy and placed STP decals on the previously unsponsored car. Petty would finish 38th after an engine failure uh, during that race. He sold the team to Jasper Motorsports in 1944. I mean, 1994, I'm sorry. No, it's okay. And that, and that is our driver of the week is Donald Keith, otherwise known as D.K. Ulrich. Donald Keith sounds like I can remember that a lot better than D.K. Ulrich. But that's just me. I understand. That's just me. Okay, for this week in NASCAR, we go back to August 1st, 1959. Ned Jarrett records his first Grand National win in the 100-miler race at Myrtle Beach, South Carolina. Jarrett had purchased his victory-winning car only a couple days earlier with a post-dated check that wouldn't clear the bank until Monday after the race. So way to take a gamble on yourself, Ned Jarrett, there on August 1st, 1959 at good old Myrtle Beach Speedway. I wish that track was still there. A lot of history there at that track. I was sad to see that go. Glad to see one race there, if any. Special thanks again to Amber for being on the show. Really do appreciate her taking the time out of her day. The last thing she probably wants to do is talk to a low-rated <laughs> racing show, but I'm uh, glad to do that. Uh, glad to facilitate her. Make sure to give her a follow on on Twitter uh, and I everything. Think she else. actually has a uh, racing Facebook page as well. Amber, right. you know Amber Slagle Racing. Amber Slagle. So yeah, uh, make sure we'll po- make sure to post that on all of our. Make sure to post all of our social media on all on our website, ramblingaboutracing.com. Charlie, anything else before we wrap it up here? No, man, I'm I'm good. This has been a I guess one of the lengthier episodes <clears throat> I've been on, but it's it's been a good one. I feel. Yeah, yeah, we got you new equipment there. I sent you yeah. a whole care package I, of stuff. It seemed to work out well. Maybe a few fine tuning tweaks here, but no, nothing to really worry about. Thanks again for showing up today uh again if you want to be part of the show head over to ramblingaboutracing.com and you're going to see at the top of the page it's going to say sign up to be a guest give us your information and your social media links and everything and you could be on the show next week we're hoping to get a flood of those but i'm not going to hold my breath but we'll see 
We'll have to wait and see. But, Charlie, since you have nothing else, we're going to go ahead and wrap it up here. Thank you again so much for tuning into Rambling About Racing within the Marbles Weekly Racing Podcast. Special thanks to again to Amber Slagle for being a part of the show. Best of luck to her and her career and whatever she does. Best of luck to her. I'd like to thank all our partners on the show, Fanatics, Flag and Anthem, Stand Up to Cancer, and that is it. That's all the partners we have for the show. For Charlie Herkes, Preston Lude, who's not here, I'm Matt Beamer. Thank you again so much for tuning in to us this week. Stay safe and have a good rest of your week. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner.